Reading the LRT leaves. This week, we can't avoid talking about the Alberta budget. We have to. Stick with us. Plus, we'll reward you for sticking around for the whole episode with talk about the gondola, essentially telling you the fairy tale after you fall asleep. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're... Speaking Municipal... Oh. I guess I'm speaking municipally. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've made it through, what, 60 episodes <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet? Okay. Really- Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're... Speaking, speaking Municipally. That was embarrassing. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 60, and we're recording this on October 31st. It's Halloween. If the sound sounds just a little bit different, it's because we're in my front entryway instead of the studio, because we got to record. I mean, it's your living room. We're in big, comfy chairs. Yeah, it's... We'll, we'll tweet a picture out. It's it's a very comfort podcasting setup. If we get very relaxed during the show, that's why. Yeah. If you hear trick-or-treaters during the show, that is also why, because, again, we do this... We're committed. We're committed. This comes first. But the first thing in every episode is the rapid fire segment. Alison Redford has seriously offered to take up a federal advisory position to help bridge the hostile gap between the West and Trudeau. That's it. That's the joke. The Gramezians have put up 49% of their interest in both West Edmonton Mall and the Mall of America into a New Jersey project called the American Dream Mall. Built on the site of a former swamp, the project has been struggling since its inception in 2004. The beleaguered 15-year development may seem like a fairy tale at this point, but the Gramezians are putting everything on the line in the quest to save their swamp. Even despite former Governor Chris Christie breathing fire and brimstone, calling the mall, quote, the ugliest damn building in New Jersey, end quote. What I'm saying is this is the plot of Shrek. But critically, Shrek and Donkey crossed a pedestrian bridge over the dangerous lava pit to get to the castle, so maybe it's time to get on to that. Lime is feeling the squeeze and Bird has flown off as winter weather starts to roll into Edmonton. The e-scooter companies had both put away their scooters as flurries have begun, with Bird confirming they'll be back in the spring, but with Lime trick-or-treating, Edmontonians with a happy surprise, putting the scooters back out on the 31st. Apparently Lime, like Edmontonians, is used to operating in the cold and even with Iveson's icy reception, still got people to take tens of thousands of rides. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. I want to tell you about Unit B Coworking. We've told you about them before and you should know that they're a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. You can join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startup and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio. And now you don't have to just record podcasts in the podcasting studio. Any audio recording thing you want to do, if you want to get real into like the ASMR, you can say, welcome to Edmonton ASMR. (laughs) Unit B! Go check out Unit B. You can get a free tour. Uh, They're just outside the Bay LRT station on the McKinney building. Uh, So book a tour today at unitb.ca. Thanks for sponsoring us. We're getting real, real aggressive with these ads. We're making them creative for sure. Also creative is the conservative government's sort of perspective on economic development. Let's get right into it, shall we? It's a charitable way to put it. So last week we got the provincial budget. The long awaited budget came down and we learned all about their plans for tax cuts following through on the McKinnon report essentially job cuts sorry not tax cuts yeah because there were no taxes that were cut except for 
certain large corporations. Tax credits cut, five programs eliminated, upsetting many of the tech community. Mm-hmm. In fact, the CEO of Beamdog going on quite the tirade. Mm. I had a friend who was actually applying for Beamdog and he got a response to his job application saying, the position you're applying for has been cut. Is that thanks right? Thanks to the UCP. Yeah, it was, they did not mince words. Wow. Um, so yeah, and we had the uh, the former founder of Bioware and Beamdog's current uh, CEO. He went on quite the tirade. Many others in the tech industry also went on a tirade because this is sort of an absurd cut. Yeah, these are things that tech communities and gaming companies in particular were relying upon and had found quite useful to grow the business. So the in Alberta- some cases, almost a quarter of salaries were paid by these tax credits. Right. I've- yeah. So there's the Alberta Investor Tax Credit, which mainly helps investors, but there was the uh, digital media tax credit and also the shred credits. These are the scientific research and development credits that lots of ton companies are eligible for if they're doing R&D work. Um, and tons of companies have relied upon those things, as, as you say, help pay for salaries and, and other technical positions. And so for those things to be cut sends a pretty clear message about the way this government thinks it's going to grow the economy. So we don't want to get too into the weeds, especially on the sort of broad fiscal policy because we're not a provincial politics podcast. There's other things that will cover this, but we're an Edmonton-based podcast. And I think specifically, you walk down 104th Street in our new downtown, the idea that Iveson was touting about the innovation corridor along the LRT line, this is Edmonton's diversification future. We're going to be an AI hub. In fact, we are an internationally renowned AI hub. And we have a lot of companies saying we have no reason to do business in Alberta anymore with these credits disappearing. Other jurisdictions have better incentives available. And the justification from the UCP is that, well, we're going to broadly cut the general corporate tax rate, but that doesn't really help innovative companies. Cutting corporate taxes from 12 to 10% doesn't materially affect an innovative company's bottom line. Especially if you're a startup and you don't have a lot of revenue yet. You don't have a big, huge uh, operation that you're running like some of these other companies. And we've seen, actually, I think this week it's quite interesting, the timing, right, that we've seen Encana announce they're moving to the United States. Because of the Trudeau election, as the UCP ministers insinuated. Sure. But, you know, the sort of idea that um, these decisions happen... Uh, just because of the budget is maybe a little bit misleading. I don't think you make a decision about moving your headquarters that quickly, yeah. whether it was Monday's election or this. And same with with innovation companies. You're not going to make a decision. Well, maybe you are because that job response to the job posting is pretty quick. But, you know, there's other factors that go into it. But the initial knee-jerk reaction is this is more of a signal. This is more of a signal that we're not investing in diversification. Yeah, we're not going to get a company in Edmonton and say, oh, my God, this... Credit was cut, we're packing up, and we're moving. Right. that's not happening. But a company, and we had several companies post to Twitter, say like, hey, I was thinking about starting up a headquarters. I'm just not, Edmonton's not on the map anymore. Yeah. And that's unfortunate, especially for Edmonton, who really would like to have our economic diversification continue to grow. Right. As you said, though, we're a municipal podcast. And uh, <laughs> during our, our live show last week uh, that hopefully some of you were at, we had a pretty good attendance, yeah. I think. I think it was about like 30, 35 people it, in that it room. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, we heard that they were cutting the city charters. Yes. So there's a couple points of clarification on this. There are two broad parts of the city charter. There's the city charter sets of regulations that allow cities to do things like 
use painted lanes as parking curbs or lower speed limits. Basically uh, giving municipalities more power, at least the big ones, to do things that the province doesn't want to deal with. Big cities, they have specific concerns and they need to be able to change provincial regulations in their boundaries. Right. Those are staying. Okay. What was repealed in Bill 20 and Bill 21, which are the omnibus regulations that the UCP proposed, was the City Charter Fiscal Framework Act. Essentially, there was $400 million that was going to be divvied up between Edmonton and Calgary each year. And that number would rise with uh, provincial revenues and it would also fall with provincial revenues. And this was the replacement for MSI funding for the two big cities. Correct. And it already represented about a 42% cut from what MSI was. So you had cities saying, we're already bearing the burden. Right. Uh, the changes the UCP have uh, proposed is rather than being that lump sum, there's a smaller lump sum, about $50 million less and it's going to decrease when the when the province has falls in provincial revenues. But when provincial revenues rise, it will also rise, but only by half of what the province risen. So you have Don Ivan saying, look, we're big cities represent the big economic drivers in our province. And what you're saying is we're no longer partners in sharing the wealth. And why why are we moving so hard to increase provincial wealth if we're not seeing any benefit from it? Because we don't have a choice. That's the way the Alberta <laughs> works. But yes, that's the point. Mm -hmm. So the mayor canceled his trip to the Netherlands on on Thursday. They had an emergency meeting about the budget on Friday. Um, city administration brought forward to council sort of the overview of all of the budget impacts on the city of Edmonton. So as you mentioned, there's this $40 million reduction to MSI. There's the elimination of the ACT funding. So $89 million there. And then also a reduction in operating grants, which meant that um, to make up for that, those operating grants, administration says taxes would have to go up by 0.8% per year. Yeah. So there's a couple things I want to talk about there. First is the 0.8% rise, almost a percent increase, which if you remember budget time, a yeah. percent increase, this is the end of times no for Edmonton debate. And this was from the grant in lieu. So the province has buildings like the legislature, other uh, provincial buildings on city of Edmonton land that they don't pay property taxes on because they're big daddy government. They don't have to. Right. But they were kind and they gave grants in lieu, which represented about how much they the market value yeah, for that kinda. property tax. Yeah, yeah. it's roughly equivalent. The UCP decided we're going to pay half instead. Um, just decided, yeah, you know, instead of paying you our property taxes, we're going to pay you half of that. And cities have naturally said, hey, I don't love that. That doesn't sound very good um, if you're a city. I've been advocating to council. And now this is maybe my uh, pot stirring ways. But here's the thing. A tenant decides to stop paying. You go through the eviction process. What if city council made a motion to just evict the province from these buildings? What, what would happen? What would happen? Mac? Well, well, the problem with that is what the chief economist John Rose always talks about, which is that 27% of our city's employment is in education, healthcare, and public administration. They are huge tenants of our downtown. If we lost all of those workers because we evicted them, because we were a bit perturbed at their decision, we would lose out on way more than the potential benefit of, of those property taxes. So that, Troy, is what would happen. Yeah, so don't do that, City Council. <laughs> um, of course, Mike Nickel had things to say about this, mm -hmm. as he always does. He said, quote, We do not have to face the choice of raising taxes or cutting services. With good long-term thinking, good long-term planning, and discipline and rigor, zeros are not just achievable. They will drive better productivity for our entire economy. 
This is kind of what the UCP government is saying with their tax cuts for the corporate tax rate. Right? Yeah, it sounds like a UCP talking point to me. And I don't know if he's aware that he lost the UCP nomination. <laughs> um, I thought it was really interesting because council had an emergency debate on yeah. this last Friday. Uh, Iveson canceled his flight to the Netherlands. I thought it was very interesting when administration was basically saying this is the effect some of these changes are going to have on our bottom line. John Zadok jumped up and he was like almost attacking administration and saying, well, I don't understand why we're so surprised by this. I've been voting against these capital projects that I think are wasteful for the past year and a half because I see this coming down the line. So why are we surprised by this? To which the city manager, who's newly retiring, said, well, we're not surprised by it, but we were promised that these things would continue. Right. It was a campaign promise that the city charters. And it's like, the what else framework. do you have to go on? Yeah. When the premier promises you something, you tend to believe the premier. Um, so I thought that was a weird way to score political points because, again, no one watches these things i mean i will say i don't think john zedek is completely wrong i mean we spent a bunch of money to try to understand what was going to happen with the provincial election council maybe could have taken more of that into consideration the discussion you'll recall when we were talking about budget back in november wasn't really about what happens if our provincial government changes it was about your local businesses complaining about tax increases Mm -hmm. right though why don't we just jump right into transit funding yeah because do it the LRT is the big ticket item. Calgary's got a couple billion for the Green Line. Yep. We've got just over a billion dollars. committed. Four. Yeah. Committed to Valley Line West. And you asked me before the show, do we have any more details and clarity about this? And I said, yes, we have more details. Okay. We do not have more clarity. Lovely. What are the details? So the details of this story is the NDP government under Rachel Notley, they committed just over a billion dollars to Valley Line West coming from carbon tax revenues. Right. Day one of the UCP government, we cut the carbon tax. And Jason Kenney was clear throughout the campaign. He was continually promising that LRT funding would not be affected by carbon tax being cut. People asked, where's the money going to come from? from? Uh, That question was never answered and still is not answered. The other thing about the carbon tax is with a liberal win Mm -hmm. for the federal election, We're going to have an imposed carbon tax, are we not? We are. Um, Which we'll get less money for. That's true. Many people say things like, oh, we're going to have this federal carbon tax and we don't control where the money goes. That's not really true. The federal government does remit the the carbon tax back to the province. Yeah. Theoretically, Kenny could do Kenny bucks with the federal carbon tax if he really wanted to cheese off the climate. He doesn't care about average Albertans in the way that Ralph Klein Uh, purported to. Apparently not. So that's the deal we are at with the carbon tax. So maybe we will use the federal carbon tax money. That's a weird political thing to do. Yeah. What we know is that in the budget, payments for the Valley Line West are going to be deferred until at least 2023. And this represents a pretty significant challenge for Edmonton, who was not only counting on this money up front, but you had Councillor Andrew Knack coming forward and saying, well, is this going to cost us more in the bidding process? Right. Because another change in Bill 20 and 21 was the UCP added a guillotine clause. It's 90 days without cause. They can remove all funding for the Valley Land West. That was pretty interesting, I thought. That was one of the new things that came out this week, a new detail. The UCP has been very clear that, oh, this is just standard contract language. 
I don't think in a contract for a billion and a half dollars, 90 days, no cause, no warning, that's acceptable. Right. But if you're a company that's bidding on this project and you know that within three months you might have to shut down all operations and everything you invested could go up in smoke and maybe have to pay fines and penalties as the city started imposing in its construction contracts for delays, right? It's there's so much confusion and uncertainty. And this is clearly the province sending a signal that this is not important. This is not important enough that we are behind it and investing in it. And I think that's really dangerous. And we've already had companies back out of that's the right. bidding process. There's a lot of reasons for the backup. One of them was the SNC-Lavalin was a component of the bidding, and there was a lot of negative Did something response. happen to them? I don't know, but <laughs> I think anyone who might have pressured anyone to do something with SNC-Lavalin is, again, the prime minister. There you so, go. Okay. Um, that's the valley line in a nutshell is we've had consistent promises, promises from the provincial government that this is going to remain funded. mm I'm still of the opinion that it's not going to be. Yeah, you said this before, actually. You predicted this. We're reading the tea leaves. I don't see any way that this goes forward because tactfully, you'll notice it's 2019. They're deferring until 2023. Right. That means another election will occur. That's right. Suddenly, they're able to say, look, we did our best. For some reason, the deficit is $2 billion higher than when we started. We're in dire economic states, and there's another election saying we need to cut the LRT. That, that's what I'm seeing in the tea leaves. And now Edmonton, we've already invested $300-ish million into expropriation and planning. Mm-hmm. We have emergency budget debates. We had Iveson and NAC suggesting, well, can we do this with debt load? Can the city take on debt and then rely on the billion dollars coming from the province right. to pay down that debt. But we could build this whole project, get saddled into the two, $3 billion cost, and then not have any money come from the province. That's a dangerous set of opportunities that council is going to have to grapple with next week when they discuss how we're going to handle our capital projects with no capital money coming from the province. Next week, there's 15 bylaws on the agenda related to capital spending. So these are all things that we previously discussed during the budget, uh, but they will potentially be dropped, I guess, if uh, council decides that either we don't have the funding or they need to change the priorities of these things. Uh, So one of the big ones is the uh, Lewis Farms Recreation Center, which of particular note, doesn't have provincial funding. That was funded municipally. Well, this is what Councillor Nack said. He said, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not dependent on provincial funding, but he says, quote, if you see reduction in other infrastructure areas, we have to prioritize all of the various projects and where this one falls, I think is something council will have to decide, end quote. So there's still a knock-on effect, even though it's not provincially funded. Yeah, and of course, you're not going to have, Councillor Nack has been championing this project since its inception, So you're not going to have him say rec centers aren't important. Yeah. But if your debate is, you know, maintaining policing and fire and our roadway infrastructure, maybe a rec center with its Olympic sized pools goes on the chopping block. Maybe you have less design elements. Maybe you make it look like a tank. Uh, These are all (laughs) changes that we could see come down the pipeline. Another one that I thought was really interesting was Terwilliger Drive. Yeah. uh, Which... You know, we're on record. Dumb idea. Expressway. Um, yeah. Unnecessary. $300 million to expand a road. We can do a lot with $300 million. Part of the advantages of Twilliger Drive, though, was the uh, transit lane. That's right. Bus lanes. And yeah. it became more interesting this week because 
there was funding clarity around Twilliger Drive. So the reason those express transit lanes were put in was because of an ACT funding top up. Like it could access that funding. Yeah. Essentially what the ACT funding did is if you had a project and you wanted to make it more green or more transporty, the province would just give you extra money to do that. So we put in money to expand Twilliger Drive and the province just gave us money to put in a transit lane. It's essentially free. Let's do it. So there was a discussion at the emergency meeting. Well, if we have to pay for this transit lane, don't we just save money by not, not putting it. that pavement in? Does that violate all aspects of our city plan? Should we do that? Absolutely not. That's climate a climate emergency, climate emergency, yeah. all this stuff. It's a boneheaded plan to not put those transit lanes in if we're going to do the project. Right. But that's another consideration. Same thing. We're buying some 45 electric buses. Turns out about 15 of those were ACT funded buses. So we're actually only buying closer to 25 or 30 buses. Hmm. Um, this is all things that we're going to have to grapple with as a city. That's a lot on the budget. We have honestly a lot of uncertainty around the budget because it's been made very clear and, uh, counselors have lamented this. The province budgetary process is pretty opaque. It's done behind closed doors and then dropped on a Thursday. And that's that our city budget debated in public. It's very much a consultative process. There's mandatory statutory hearings on it. And we've seen uh, councillors and the mayor both say, hey, maybe it's time for a partnership here because municipalities are most of the province. And it seems crazy that they're so in the dark. You know, even though you might have suspicions and you might base on campaign promises, you're still pretty much in the dark until the day it comes out. So it's going to take some time to weed through all of those documents and really understand what the impacts are. We're going to move on to something that maybe might have gotten funding uh, in a happier day. Shouldn't have, but maybe might have. It's on the slow burn, the gondola. There were developments on that wonderful gondola project. What happened this week? We got a sketch. Mm. They hired an artist. So we got in-depth blueprints and environmental assessments and like a full featured plan for something, right? That's what you're saying? No, that stuff is still coming. Okay. Prairie Sky Gondola Inc., the company that has been set up to pursue this idea, you know, basically released a sketch for a proposed Rossdale station near the power plant. And they issued a news release alongside this. And I love this. They described the station as, quote, the heart and soul of our project, end quote. And I think if you go back to when we talked about this previously, Rossdale was an add-on to try to get public support and council support for this project. Uh-huh. Now it's the heart and soul. Yeah. How many times have people suggested doing something with the Rossdale power plant and had the city or the province smack them down and say, no, heritage building or no uh, danger or no any X number of reasons this has remained vacant for decades? I mean, there there does seem to be a desire to do something with that building now. This council does seem to have an appetite for it. I still don't think the gondola is the thing for it. And that sketch was like tightly integrated. The power plant would be about the gondola. Right. Um, so they released it on Twitter and sent out a news release. And by the response and by their statements, you'd have thought like this was a done deal. Right. Um, like it was a blueprint, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Like I got the impression that this was like a news release of this has been confirmed. Right. When in fact, it's just like this is their idea. And, of course, you had Councillor Nickel appeared to have the correct response, uh, which was, hey, when you guys go bankrupt, 
do you just throw the keys at us and we have to maintain this gondola? Because we're both on the same page that there is no way that this works. And Councillor Nicola is absolutely right. At the end of the day, it is the city that gets to hold the keys and pay the bills. Their response to that was essentially like, we've got a bunch of rich companies that are supporting us, so it's not possible for that to happen. But hi, Eddie. So we're recording in the living room. So we're, we got a cat. Anything you hear in the background, this is now Addy purring on the mics. Yeah. So this, yeah. this is how it's going to be. He is very passionate about the gondola. And Apparently, his brain is the size of a walnut. He likes so, the gondola. Oh, there's a trick-or-treater. Come on in. No, oh, here come, we go. Oh, there we go. Just in time. <laughs> we'll do the play-by-play here. Trick-or-treat. Oh, trick Sixteen, a mustard costume. Sixteen. Sixteen. What time is it? Eight fifteen. Oh, another one. Boom! The floodgates have opened. Troy is up again. Hi. Hello. Have a good night. A bunny rabbit, I think. Yeah, that was a, a bunny rabbit with a carrot, like sort of necklace thing. Interesting. Those kids look too old to be trick-or-treating, I have to say. I will not subscribe to that. You (laughs) trick-or-treat until you're done trick-or-treating. I guess if you have a costume on, that's the only price of admission. And frankly, I mean, with our economic crisis right now, that's the only thing 40-year-olds are going to do to get food. (laughs) So, last thing on the gondola, the first phase of the project's economic and technical assessment is coming back in a few weeks, December 3rd. So that is when we should get more concrete detail than a sketch. I want to end on something that's actually cool because the gondola, it's not. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey, I love you. Um, <laughs> but moving into 2049 and getting our dystopia going, drone delivery is a good aspect of that. And we have Amazon drones delivering people stuff to their house now, right? That's the news. No. I wish. That's what I really want. So I live, as you all know, listeners, on 104th Street. I have a balcony that overlooks the street. And I would love to have a drone come and deliver my packages to the balcony. And I was so excited this week when the Edmonton International Airport announced it's working with a company called Drone Delivery Canada, which I sort of read in between the lines seems like an Air Canada initiative. Anyway, they are building some sort of proprietary Um, drone logistics network and this drone delivery platform at the airport. And so it'll be used initially to make deliveries of things from one site to another within the the airport grounds, which is a step toward delivering it to my balcony, maybe. Yeah. And they weren't the only company that was proposing Edmonton as a trial ground for advanced futuristic technology this week either. Um, TELUS decided... We're going to be the 1984 test bed, right? That's right. 5G was the other thing that came up at council. Uh, 5G is this new, faster, you know, higher bandwidth, higher throughput version of, of the wireless technology that we all use. And TELUS has already done this in Vancouver. They've set up these sort of living labs, they call them, um, where they set up a whole bunch of sensors and all of these devices that can take advantage of this new network to spy on us, essentially. <laughs> and and council basically said, yeah. Our exec committee said, yeah, go investigate that with TELUS and, yeah. and do it on White Avenue. <laughs> Sounds really good. Google had a thing called Sidewalk Lab yeah, in, in Toronto, Toronto. That's right. Um, where they essentially wanted to do the same thing. It's just like, what if every trash can had a sensor in it so trucks could more efficiently deliver? And what if there was sensors that determined where pedestrians were? In theory... It all sounds good. You can definitely optimize delivery of city services by spying on everyone. 
uh, you can also reduce crime to zero by policing <laughs> thought crime. But there's a big but associated with that. And I don't know that I want Edmonton to be the test bed of 1984's beginning. Also related on that is the big discussion around 5G is who implements 5G and what tech gets put in. And Huawei is always joining in the discussion. And there's been a lot of pretty significant voices suggesting, hey, don't use Huawei because China. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the two big companies that are currently doing 5G stuff, the other being Ericsson, which is from Europe. So, I mean, I generally agree with the intent of this motion by Michael Walters to bring this forward. He's the one that made the inquiry that, you know, we should be looking at this if we are going to diversify and become leaders in technology and AI can, you know, we can take advantage of 5G networks for the AI work that is happening in the city and with the startups that we hope are going to start here. But maybe not starting with surveillance. <laughs> Would be a good idea. It seems like a positive place to start. Uh, speaking of becoming leaders, uh, you had some news right in your family about uh, pretty prestigious leadership awards getting awarded. It's that time of year again. Avenue Edmonton has announced its top 40 under 40 for 2019. Uh, and I'm really happy and proud that my wife, Sharon, is on the list this year. What's she on the list for? Come on, let's let's sell it. Come on. And she will be listening. So make sure you're very kind and very, very luscious in your compliments. (laughs) Sharon is on the list for a number of reasons. She's a program manager with Catholic Social Services. So her day job is working uh, with newcomers to Edmonton and she's done a lot of work uh, on those programs in the city. She she led part of the project that helped resettle nearly a thousand Syrian refugees back in 2016 uh, during the Syrian refugee crisis. So that's what she does during the day. And then most people know her as a food blogger, of course. She's written a popular food blog for a number of years and a volunteer, and she's organized a number of events. So we co-started uh, What the Truck together, the Food Truck Festival, and Sharon's also done a lot of work in Chinatown. So Chinatown Dining Week and the 97th Street Night Market and the Chinatown uh, Walking Tours are all initiatives that she's been uh, a part of organizing. So I'm pretty happy, obviously, that she's getting some of the recognition that I think she deserves. I also noticed that not a single one of you listeners nominated Troy for a top 40 <laughs> under 40 this year. It was noticed. <laughs> Um, speaking of just getting the recognition that we deserve, we accept that in the form of money from our advertisers. And this advertiser will give us money in exchange for playing the following clip. If you're an Albertan, chances are you love our forests. With more than 60% of the province covered in them, they're where we play, explore, and work. Over 40,000 Albertans are employed because of our sustainable forestry industry. And before a single tree is harvested, we plan 200 years ahead to ensure healthy forests for years to come. Why? Because you nurture what you love. Learn more at loveabforests.ca. And that's all for this week. Maybe our city is having an existential crisis this week. Maybe we're just joining the global existential crisis of we're all going to die in a couple of years anyway. On that positive note. Yeah, on that positive note, just enjoy the rest of your week. It's Halloween. Gorge yourself on treats. We'll be here next week, probably, I hope. And until then, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. municipally. I'll manage to do that one. (laughs) 